0: I was I was running the camera during worship. Uh, we announced last week Pastor Tori was supposed to start a, a new series this week. I got a text yesterday uh, from him um, saying that he is uh, what down for the count for the foreseeable future uh, and so uh, I needed to prepare so <laughs> this is this is you got the second string today. Um, But it's all right. Fortunately, it's not a second string Jesus, just a second string presenter. That's all right with you. Uh, Youth, you can go to your class. See, second string. Forgot it already. Youth, you could go to your class. Oh, man. Okay, but we are are in a new year. Man, 2021 is gone. Anybody else happy about that fact? It's 2021, we could say is yeah. It's go ahead, give it give it a hand for the. I know. Uh, I think Netflix had a show called the death death of 2021. It was kind of a celebratory show. There was a lot going on, um, and so of course we all celebrated New Year's Eve. Well, some of us celebrated New New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve. Others of us just kind of waited for the the ball to drop and then roll over and went to bed. That was me, um, and with New Year's Eve comes what? New Year's resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions. Who here made a, a, a New Year's resolution? Anybody? Anybody got theirs? That's that is good. We, we make these New Year's resolutions, and it's it, it's almost an obligatory thing when you teach on New Year's Sunday. You have to talk about New Year's resolutions. Um, so I'm mostly not going to do that. Uh, we're going to talk about somebody else's resolution. And it wasn't really a New Year's resolution as much as it was a New Era resolution. I want to talk this morning a little bit about the resolution God made with us. Uh, you know, that, that makes all of our New Year's resolutions possible, by the way. Um, I want to look at the the resolution that God made towards us starting back at the beginning um, that that created the possibility for us to have a right relationship with a holy God. Um, Galatians 3 verse 27 says... uh, and all who have been, get, been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you have belonged to Christ, here's kind of our where we're heading. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Amen. That is such good news for us. And today we're gonna we're gonna talk about why that's good news. We're gonna look. We're gonna be looking at that promise um, this weekend. Uh, the The youth had a had a. Uh, an event here. They did a, a New Year's Eve Eve party uh, with uh, five other churches, youth groups from the area. We had about, I don't know what the final count was, maybe 70 or 80 uh, high school, middle school students here. Uh, they played games. They made the, the activity center really smelly. Uh, they ate a lot of really good food. But then we had an amazing time of, of worship, and some small groups and prayer. Um, and and the focus of that, the, uh, uh, Daniel Smith gave a, uh, one of our youth leaders just gave a short little 10 minute mini message. But it was just on the favor of the Lord and on God's promises. And it was amazing to see in just such a short amount of time um, how much encouragement being reminded of God's promises um can have on us. And so that's what we're looking at today, that, that God himself made us a promise. He made it to Abraham, and by, by extension, what Jesus did gave us access to that promise. And so today I want to look at a little bit of the story of Abraham and this promise and what that means for us today. And we find that story, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. We're in, in Genesis Matter of fact, we're we're starting out, we're not going to talk about Abraham, we're going to talk about Abram. You may know Abraham wasn't always Abraham, he used to be, he was born Abram. And so we're starting way back back then, the beginning of this whole thing. Genesis chapter 12, uh, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here we have the first mention of this this agreement, this promise that God gives to Abraham and through Jesus we receive. And so this is what we're going to we're going to be looking at. When we talk about the promises of Abraham, this is what we're talking about and it's hard to it's hard to believe in something. It's hard to understand something. It's hard to receive something that you don't that you don't understand that you haven't you haven't you can't name or you can't talk about. So I want to take a few minutes this morning and just look at this promise in itself before we Look at how it applies to us. And we see right off the bat that this promise is one of condition. There is a condition on this promise. This isn't, the, it starts out by, by the Lord giving Abram an executive order, if you will, he says, "Leave your native country, your relatives, and your family, and go to the land that I will show you." So we we see here at the beginning of this this agreement that there is a there is a level of obedience, there is a, a level of leaving our comfort. We have a part to play in this relationship in this this covenant in this promise there is there is a role you have in laying your hands on being grafted into this promise and so we're going to talk a little bit about what that 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 looks like uh in a little bit, but that's how he starts, but that's not the totality the, the The focus of this is on on the promises that that God is making to us, and we see that starts in in verse two he says, "I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you and make you famous and uh th- this idea of making your name great and 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 making you famous this isn't like when God said that, He wasn't talking about like like Kardashian famous. This isn't this isn't pop you know pop culture. Everybody knows my name kind of famous. When when in, in the Old Testament, when it talks about making your name famous, or uh, some some translations use the word renown. It, it's talking about it's talking about having a having a a, a life, a reputation uh, uh, that is that is so. Um, so prominent that it is known throughout the world. And not just that it is known, but that it is respected, that it is admired, that it it has a level of authority and and prosperity to it that that would command the respect of others. Okay, this isn't, see, today you can be famous for anything, right? In our culture, uh, you can be famous, and that doesn't mean anybody has any respect for you. That doesn't mean anything other than the fact that a lot of people know who you are right that's not that's not the famous that the god that god is promising to abram he's talking about having a good reputation and more than than ever today that was everything you know when it talks about having a good reputation in the old testament we think that as oh people think good things about us and that that's 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 true but it was so much more than that for us it would be like not just not just what that people think you're good it would also have to do with your credit score right because your reputation back then was your credit score if you wanted to, to borrow money if you wanted to do business it was it was you it was all about your name your reputation what were, what did people know of you were you were you known as a a, a trustworthy person were you known as someone that was reliable if you were, you could do business with people, but if you weren't, that was the end of it. And so when God promises to Abram to give him a good name and to make him famous, he is promising that he is going to, to stand up behind Abram and give him a good reputation that, that will be respected and give him access to make an impact in the world. That's the first promise. And then we, he goes on, though. He says, "You will, not only will you be blessed, he says, you will be a blessing to others. This is so key. Our, our, this promise that God gives us, we've received an outward-focused blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And this bears itself out in, in the life of Abram. Wherever Abram went, those who, who he, he came in contact with, Abram added to their, their life. The relationship that we have with God, the covenant that he brings us into, is not just for our own sake. It's for the sake of those around us. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in in verse 3, he says that he he will bless those who bless you. What a great, great promise. God wants to bless those who, who bless Abram, and by extension, wants to bless those who, who bless you and bless me. And what does this mean for us? Well, one, um, and this is really hard for some of us, not all of us, but some of us, I'm one of these people. Um, anybody here have a hard time receiving things from other people? You'd rather just, it's okay, I can, I can handle it on my own, it's fine. Um, God says that he wants to bless those who, who bless others. And so for, if you're like me, if you just, I won't speak for you. For me, I know much of the time it's a pride issue. Um, but if, if I allow others to bless me, I'm giving them the opportunity to let God bless them. So the message here for us is, in, in walking in this, this, this kind of covenant mindset, is we have to understand that it's okay to let people bless you. It's okay to receive from those around you. It's okay to receive blessing, God's blessing through other people. And it's okay that you don't have a way at times or something in mind in a way to get even with them. <laughs> right? Some <laughs> some of us have that have that mentality. It's like, uh, "Man, if you if you give me something, I okay, mental note, I got to I got to even this score somehow. I got to somehow Give back and then hopefully get one up on you in a good way. Um, but that's, that's, not what, that's not the mentality we need to have. If we have a covenant mindset, we are okay with receiving blessing from others outside of our community and especially between each other. Because God wants to bless those who, who bless his people. And then there's a flip side of that. It says in verse, uh, verse 3, he says, I will curse those who curse you. That's, that's, that's kind of heavy. Um, And this has a lot of implications for us as well. If we believe that, if we really believe that, a couple things. One, if we're really walking this way, it means that I don't need to ever seek revenge on somebody else. It means that I can let that go. If somebody, somebody hurts me, someone attacks me, it's not my responsibility to make sure that they get what's coming to them. And then, even more than that, this is this concept, this part of the promise, is why one of the reasons why Jesus is so and Paul are so focused on the importance of forgiveness in the New Testament it's because this is true. It's because that God has a keen interest and a heart for justice for you. And when people attack you, when people do you wrong, it enacts this part of the promise, so that if they curse you, that now, now God has something against them. And so it's important that we learn to forgive each other and forgive those because there, is, there are dire consequences coming if we don't. Now, that doesn't mean that by forgiving someone, it just automatically lets them off the hook and, and there's never going to be consequences for their sin. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that it is an empowering thought. It's important that if we, if we understand this, that I my forgiveness of somebody else is actually an act of mercy, not an act of Weakness. I'm not just being subservient. If if we just had the, the 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 if we were just focused on on this truth, if we had this truth deep down in our in our hearts, where we understood that this was the case, when someone would do us wrong, it would be like, well, it'd be like when when I was uh, in high school. And my sister was, was, she's four and a half years younger than me. She was in middle school, and uh, we went to Tree Life. And Tree Life, the middle and the high school, is in the same building. And um, there were, not, not several times, because my sister was a wonderfully sweet girl um, and never really caused trouble. And it's a small school, and there wasn't a lot of trouble to be had there. Uh, but it was understood, specifically among the boys of her class, that um, any, how should we say this, any, any interest or insult directed towards my sister was going to be directly, uh, well, you were going to have to deal with me. That became a known thing. And, it, and it, <laughs> it's funny because it really did uh, change the way my sister interacted with people and the way they interacted with her. I remember there was one time there was this particular boy who um, the, had, a, had a crush on her. And uh, I, I found out. And uh, <laughs> not... Well I, I, that would be lying if I said i wasn 't proud of this i 'm a little proud of this uh, so so uh, so later that that day he 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 was on the, the basketball team, the middle school basketball team, and he was in the locker room getting ready um, and I happened to come in and, and, and I was getting ready for 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 ball practice and and I saw him over there and so i I, I went over and we we had a conversation that was, i didn 't hurt the boy um, but I wanted to look him in the eye, but he was short. So, so just just to help communication, I hung him on one of the coat hooks on, on the wall. Just, just because I wanted to be able to make sure we were communicating clearly. I promise you that was the only reason. And the thing I wanted to communicate to him was that... He, I and I knew that he was interested in my sister and that I had a keen interest in her well-being. I just wanted him I just felt it was information he needed to have that his conduct towards her was going to have a major effect on how I interacted with him. I will curse those who curse you if we had that kind of mindset of how, how the Lord looks at us and looks at those who deal with us, when, when, when attacks come at us, when people come at us, our attitude towards them would be so, and towards the situation would be very different. Because instead of fear, it would be, we'd still maybe have a sense of fear, but it wasn't wouldn't be for us, it would be for the other person. Right? Like, you see this come, this attack come, this person lying on you. This, you know, your boss is mistreating you. Instead of instead of going, oh man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? We'd be like, look, dude, you really, you you you're gonna want to change the way this interaction is going because I have a God and he 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 really doesn't like it when people pick on me. I'm telling you, you need to, you need to, we need to change this for your sake, not mine. If we had that kind of mentality, how much easier would it be to show mercy in in tough situations? How much more uh, grace would we have? How much more fear would we not have to deal with? This is the promise that the Lord gives to Abram, and through Jesus, we have it's why we're, it's important to forgive. What, a, what amazing blessings. What amazing promises that we have in this original resolution that God gives to us. But, excuse me, many times we, we hear these types of promise blessings. This is one of the most famous passages in, the, in Scripture. I'm sure most, if not all of us, have heard these before. We hear these blessings, we hear these promises and, and we 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 believe that God said them. We believe that it's true and we understand what they are, but we also see our own shortcomings, our own mess-ups, our own our, our, the the things in our lives that you know that that pesky first part, the conditional part—the you've got to leave, you've got to leave your family, and you've got to go where I tell you. You have to obey me. That that conditional part of it—it uh, it allows us to convince ourselves that we, uh, while those promises are true, we have disqualified ourselves from access to them. Anybody ever had that moment? Be like I know God loves me, I know He wants good stuff for me, but man, I am just. I just, can't, I just can't do enough right to get access to it. If that's you, I, I've got uh, the rest of this kind of story is, is, I believe, will be freeing for you this morning. Um, It's really encouraging if we look at how the rest of the story with Abram actually plays out. See, we see a picture of how the Lord deals with our mess-ups. We we see just how committed, how resolved he is to this covenant. If we go on in verse 4, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Lot was his, his uncle. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So right off the bat, uh, as my favorite, one of my favorite commercials right now on TV says, so right off the bat, we're off to a horrible start. Uh, 75 years old is not the ideal time in life to start a quest across the country at a time where there was no such thing as cars or Uber or fast food. Right? Or, or airplanes or hotels we're off to a, a rocky start. Abram sets out and the, and in the next recorded story, we, we see he he doesn't, get, he doesn't get off to a good start. One, we have the age thing, but even even aside from that, the first story we see his first adventure. Um, as he goes on, it says, Abram and Sarai, Sarai is his wife, they, they, they get to Egypt, right, and they're, they're coming into Egypt, and out of fear for being killed, because again, it's just Abram and a few, maybe a few servants, they're not big, they, they don't have an army, and they're in this foreign land, there's no real rules that's going to protect them, uh, He tells Sarai, his wife, to pretend to be his sister if if somebody asks, because he he was afraid that someone saw her and wanted to take her as his wife, and he knew that they were married, that they would kill him and just take her. And sure enough, the king hears about about Sarai. Apparently, um, she was incredibly attractive, even though she was 75 years old, Uh, so much so that, that he, he, he hears of her beauty and he, he brings her, they bring her to the Pharaoh and he sets, um, sets in motion to, to make her one of his wives. And God himself has to step in and send plagues and reveal to the king what's really going on to save her. In fact, at one point in the story, you have the, the Pharaoh, who doesn't know God, rebuking, uh, rebuking Abram for not being honest. And, and allowing his own God to send plagues on Pharaoh. That's a mess up. That is, I mean, you know, that, that's not, a, that, that doesn't, I don't think that qualifies as obedience, right? We're, we're, we're off to a hor- horrible start. <laughs> and what's God's response to this? Well, we see right after that story, we see, we see God's response in, in chapter 13, Starting verse 14 says, after Lot had gone. Oh, wait, I skipped a set. So that was the first mess up. Then uh, next we have Abram and his uncle, so they leave there. They start having arguments over the wealth that they've been accumulating, right? So they start, they've been going along and God's been blessing them, and and um then they can't they You know, God has told them He's sending them to accumulate this wealth and to become great. But now, as they've gotten a little bit of this greatness, they can't work together. They can't figure out how to make this work. So they decide to divide the prosperity that God has given them. And 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 Lot takes a bunch of the wealth and goes off and kind of starts his own camp. Again, not a great, not a great start. That was not the command that God had given. And in chapter 13 of Genesis, we see God's response. After law had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look, as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west, I'm giving you all this land. As far as you can see, to you and your descendants is a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that the, like the dust of the earth, it cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. If you were a parent, and you're—if you're, many of you are parents. If you're a parent. Your kid, you give him some instructions. He doesn't do it, and somebody causes a big mess, and you have to clean it up. And then you tell him to do something else, and he doesn't do it. What's your response? <laughs> What's typically our response in these situations, right? It's discipline, it's, it's consequence, it's, 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 it's the hard side of love, it's tough love. But look at God's. So instead of punishment, instead of discipline, God chooses encouragement. Instead of focusing on, on the things that he did wrong, God chooses to give Abram a, a greater picture of the vision of the promise. And as we see in Abram's journey, we see this, this pattern unfold. We see the story play out again and again. In Genesis 16, we see Abram, who's now 86 years old, still has no son, try to make ma- take matters into his own hand. And he, you probably know this story. So he, he actually uh, bears a child with his wife's servant, Hagar. And as you can imagine, it results in a mess. It causes family conflict and division that to this day we see playing out in the, in the Middle East. The, 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 the ancestors of Ishmael and, and, uh, and Abram are, are still not getting along, to put it mildly. Listen, I'm not suggesting that our lack of obedience doesn't have consequences I'm saying that God's promises are stronger than our weaknesses. Look again at how God responds in, in chapter 17, starting in verse 4. He says, this is my covenant with you. I, I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. I will no, you, it will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father uh, of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and, you will, and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. God's response to Abram's weakness is to change Abram's name to Abraham. What's that? What's the significance there? We see name change a lot uh, on a number of different occasions in the Bible, and anytime you see God changing somebody's name, it's it's usually it's a declaration. He is he's saying that you were once this, and you're now becoming this. It's not always a good thing. Sometimes it goes the other way, but most of the time, it, it's it's God. It's we see this in the New Testament in in Peter, right? where, where God says, your name's Simon, but I will call you Peter. It, 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 it's, a symbolic, uh, it's a symbolic move that shows what God's doing, his plans are, his intents are to do in the character and the heart of the person. And in this one, it's so cool. He, he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. So he takes his name and he inserts this, this little character in the middle, this ha sound, and that sound, that character, he actually pulls from his own name. See, the name, the, if, the covenant name of, of God is Yahweh. And so we, when we get that Abraham, it's literally he takes a part of his own name. He's telling Abram, I'm taking a part of myself and I'm going to infuse it into you. And that's going to be the difference. Why is this God's response? Why does he over and over again stick with Abraham even though he keeps messing up? It's not because he sees so much potential in who Abraham is. It's because he knows how he is so committed to the covenant that he made with him. He's confident in his own ability to change Abram. See, in, in chapter 15 of Genesis, God sets up this, this covenant, this agreement. And to us, when we talk about covenant, it sounds like this, this, this super spiritual uh, thing that is, because we only understand or hear the word covenant in the context of reading the Old Testament and sometimes the New, right? That, that's not a word we, we see anywhere else in life, right? That's, it, it, when you buy a house, you don't sign a covenant, right? <laughs> it's a contract. But the reality is covenant at the time was, was a common, it was a part of their culture. Covenant was the way two people, two countries, to parties, to families. It's the way they came to, a, to an agreement. It's, countries would do this when, when they would create alliances. People did this when they got married. I think it's amazing how God is so... Such a good communicator and so humble that he is willing to use our own culture to help us understand what it is that he wants to do in our lives. And this picture of covenant is, is one of the central ones we see in scripture. See, a covenant was was just that. It was it was any agreement, any any contract, the most serious contract you could you could make with somebody else. And and the way you would do it back then, you know, we have notaries and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of paperwork, right? We do contracts and lawyers get involved, and it's all about the right words. They didn't do that. This is back when there was a, it was an oral society, right? They didn't they didn't write things down much. And so everything was about ceremony. A ceremony would mark these occasions. And then the covenant ceremony was, was simply this. You would, the two parties would, would make an agreement. And they would split a cow. They would sacrifice a cow. They'd split it. And they would put the two halves on either side. And then the two parties that were making the agreement would walk between the two halves of the calf. And the, symbol, the, the symbolism there is simply this. If I don't live up to my end of whatever we've agreed upon, may it happen to me what's happened to these cows. That's what, that's what a covenant was. It was putting your, 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 your literal life on the line. That I am, I am going to live up to this thing or I will forfeit my life. That's what a covenant was understood to be. But we see something amazing, and it's in the differences. We've talked about this before. You know, you have to know what the normal is, and then you look for the left turn in Scripture. And when we see that left turn, that's where we see something really, usually see something really significant that God's trying to say. And here we see a major left turn in history. God sets this covenant with Abram, these promises, and there's, there is a, of course, there's a contingent. We've looked at that. Abram had a part to play, but, but look what happens when he actually cuts the covenant. They split the calves, and when it comes time to complete the ceremony, God puts Abram into a deep sleep, and God walks the calves by himself. The Lord knew Abram couldn't hold up his end. He knew you couldn't hold up your end. So he put it all on himself. That's what we just finished celebrating. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Jesus coming to this earth, living, teaching, dying, resurrecting, and and ascending. That's why he did all that. He takes our sin on himself because he knew knew that we weren't going to be able to live up to our part of the agreement. And because he did all that, now we have a God that we can count on to be faithful with his promises. See, we have access to those, those, all those blessings that was given to Abram, that's passed down to us. It all comes through Jesus' sacrifice. And yes, your obedience does have a major effect on it, but it's not what powers it. The good work he started in you, he will complete. That's a good way to start the new year. To remind ourselves that God has an amazing plan. He has these blessings for you, and he will be faithful to see them roll out in our lives. Now, our blessing, our, our obedience definitely has, a has, we, can, we can cap the expression of those, those blessings, of those promises in our life. But w- there's nothing we can do that will stop him from getting us, trying to get us in the, in the right place to experience those blessings. There's nothing that we can have done in our past that cuts us off from the opportunity to experiencing his blessing in the future. And when we, when we live our lives with that mentality, it frees us from the fear of our own mistakes. And much of the time, if we look at our lives, at least in my life, I feel like it's the, f- it's the fear of my mistakes that cause me as much trouble as my mistakes do. It's the fear of not... Not living up to certain things or not being able to, or fear of failure that stops me and, and, and causes me to make wrong decisions more than, than my disobedience even does. In this new year, let us start this year being reminded of the faithfulness of God's promises and commit that that, that is what we are going to hang 2022 on. The faithfulness of God. Say, God, I, I know that, that I, I fall short so much and I commit this year to, to fall short less. But the only way that happens is by being confident in the faithfulness of Jesus. The only way we overcome those, those shortcomings is by laying into those promises and allowing his Holy Spirit to transform us and help us to see differently. And if the story teaches us anything, it's that God is patient and he works with us and he wants to, he wants to partner with you to develop your eyes and your strength to be more obedient this year than you were last year. But that all only happens if we have the faith to believe and to pursue it and not just give up and not just allow the enemy to to focus on all, on all of our mess ups and, and expect cursing and not blessing. And I know right now it, it, it's a gloomy day. <laughs> There's no sun out. And, and there's a whole lot of us home. Hi guys at home. I, I, I know many of you are probably, you know, covered in Kleenex at the moment. But there is blessing coming in 2022. And that's not, that's not a, a, a rhema word of prophecy that God has given me right now. That is an eternal promise that God has given us from the beginning through Jesus. It's in black, white, and red in, in, in the book. We can take it to the bank. God has blessing for you in this year. God has promises for you in this year. God has purpose for you in this year. Will we walk in those? Will we start looking for those? Because it's like my, one of my favorite sayings: you know, life is, life is a lot like hummingbirds and vultures. Every day, hummingbirds and vultures both go out. And every day, hummingbirds find something sweet to eat, and every day, vultures find something dead. Why? Because it's what they were looking for. What are you going to look for this year? What are you going to seek out this year? What are you going to pursue this year? Let's together commit that this year we are going to seek God's hand and God's blessing and walk in his favor and not allow our own weaknesses, to convince us that we're disqualified from something that God has told us in scripture, that he is faithful enough to provide. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for for your grace. Most often often this morning, we we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that, that you saw fit to, to equip us and to bless us, not because we deserved it, but because you love us. God, we thank you for your covenant. We thank you that you know our weakness and that you are stronger than they are. As we start this, this new year, Lord, we, we thank you for your resolution to bless us, to protect us, to provide for us, but most, more than anything, to be with us, to have relationship with us. Jesus, we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, we invite you to show us this year, more than any other year in our life, what it looks like to walk in, in your favor, to walk in obedience, God, we thank you, and we, we say we are expecting to, to, to connect with you and to grow with you this year like we've never done before. We don't, we don't care what, what, what society says. We don't care what the news says. We don't care what the, the weather says or even what our own bodies say. We care what you say. And so we, we invite you to speak into our lives this year like you ne- like never before. We pray all these things in your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Happy New Year. Everyone, stay healthy.